All righty. Who's in a happy mood? Come on. Hey, how many of you were here uh, for Word and Spirit last week? Come on. Keep your hands raised. How many of you were here last Sunday? Come on. Was it not just absolutely wild and wonderful and beautiful? Oh, uh, you, I truly felt like we as a church were like in an open heaven uh, for three days and it was just so powerful. And how, how many of you got touched just like in a powerful way? Come on. I just felt like we broke through some certain barriers in worship. We saw healings. We saw miracles. And anyways, I, I felt so strongly today that we need to celebrate Jesus for like all that he done. <laughs> You know, like, and so we're going to have some, we're going to have some people share testimonies, but this morning when I was praying about tonight, or this week actually, uh, I felt like the Lord said, oftentimes when open heavens comes for a conference, we can just treat it as like a moment and then the enemy comes and tries to attack to get us to revert back to the normal, but I want this house and this church to be a place that the more we get touched, the hungrier we get. Amen. Like the more we encounter the love and and the presence of Jesus, we say the more and more we go after him, the more and more we celebrate him, the more and more we worship him. Amen. And the Lord said today, this is so powerful. You ready for this? He says, testimony is gasoline to our fire of faith. Oh, is that not so good? And so we're going to, if you're sharing a testimony, the four of you sharing a testimony, I just want you all to come up right now. We have Whitney, Michelle, Scott, Pedro, come on up. And like, as we are, as we are listening to this testimony, these testimonies of what God did last week what he uh one of the testimonies is what god has done a few few weeks ago i want us as a room to pull on heaven you know like let's listen to these testimonies and just get like fired up for the more and more and more and more and more and more and more of jesus amen all right come on pedro why don't you come on i'm a guy after each one let's just celebrate real loud too That part's easy. This one is hard on stage. Um, yeah, I just, I've been like praying and processing and uh, Rich, God just used Rich in such a powerful way of his childlikeness and his weirdness and wildness and just like not caring, he, just not caring. Um, that, that I was just standing back there and, and it just like shattered all of my my walls and my boxes and it was so captivating to see what God was doing through him in such a like childish and like fun way. Like church doesn't have to be serious. Um, and, and that like, it, it like repostured my heart. It was like I unlearned how God needs to act and it was just open. I was just open to receive. Um, and I had, I had someone from his team come and he just started praying for me and it was literally, he just had like prophetic word, but while he was praying, I praying, I felt God like it was an encounter and God made a connection. It was like my heart was open and it was able to allow God to make a connection. And through that connection, he just filled me with joy. And it was one of the like 
funniest, wildest things that I just got to experience with God. It's like he told me the best joke ever and you couldn't stop laughing. Um, so yeah, there was just so much freedom in all of that. And I'm just, I'm so thankful and it's just the spirit of joy and um, yeah, childlikeness. So yeah. Oh, come on. Really yeah, God. All right, we got three more. Come on. You ready? All right. So in 2009, my husband and I were in a car accident, and we were rear-ended. And since that time, I have had horrible pain in my neck. I wake up with Advil and coffee because I have three girls, and so you need coffee with three girls. And I would go to bed with coffee, or no, coffee, uh, Advil at night because I was in so much pain. And I would cry, and I'd say, Eric, I hurt. I hurt so bad. And there was nothing that the doctors could do. They said, basically, at this point, it's just pain management. And they weren't able to manage the pain. And I had gone up before for healing. And I told the Lord, you know what? I'm done going up. Like, unless somebody reads my mail, I will not go up again. And so that night, Justin spoke about encountering the love of the Father. And I was just waiting in the corner. And then AJ got up and read my mail. <laughs> And I came up for prayer, and he prayed over me. He said, do you feel anything? And I said, AJ, it's not about the healing. In this moment, I'm encountering the love of my father because I felt so loved and so seen and so known by my father in that moment. I went to bed, and I woke up the next morning, and I had no pain. I've had... <laughs> had no pain since that point and um, the Lord actually told me to share this next part when AJ called and asked me to share my testimony I told him no because right now our family is walking through one of the most difficult seasons of our lives we lost a loved one on Tuesday because of a heart attack and I'm having to explain to three little girls why they didn't get to say goodbye and it's it's painful really painful but the Lord told me the healing is going to come when they encounter the love of the Father. And he said there's people out here who need to know that their healing is going to come either physical or in their heart when they encounter the love of the Father. And he wanted me to share that with you today. So, um, this, is, this is Whitney, and she's so wonderful. Hi. Yeah. Um, so, I, for those who don't know me, for about 10 years, I've struggled with digestive issues, um, and I've, um, it, they cause a lot of pain. And for during that time, I've seen traditional doctors and functional medicine doctors and naturopaths. I've been for, um, for physical therapy. And my testimony this whole time has been, I know God is going to heal me. And um, so I've been waiting and working and striving towards that, asking for prayer at every chance. And um, this conference, I kind of like the last testimony, I 
kind of wasn't asking for it anymore for healing. But on Saturday night, there were so many people who were getting called out by Richard um, to be prophesied over. And I just kept coming up behind the people who were being prayed for and um, putting my hand on their back, sometimes catching a little bit and um, just rejoicing with everybody as they got what they were getting. And I was out in an aisle with my hand on the back of someone who was being prayed for. And all of a sudden there was a hand on my back. And um, this woman, like, you know how sometimes God meets you not just with what you need, but in a, in a way, in a, in a character, and a, a temperament that's just like you? This woman was so gentle. And um, she just started praying over me, health and life, and the peace of the Lord was the main focus. And um, she said that she saw me wearing running clothes. <laughs> and running shoes and she said that um i was in it for the long haul that was her pronouncement over me which is crazy because i i don't know that i've ever said it out live but i have always thought as my life got smaller and smaller with this illness that i was going to die young and this was god's declaration that i was going to live and not die and so from saturday night on um all the pain in my body was gone. I had a shoulder that I couldn't move, and now it's like, I was <laughs> crazy. I was up dancing with both of my arms, like flailing around that night. And um, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was symptom-free and just so, like all of the dreams about who I'm supposed to be in the Lord started coming back. All of the pronouncements over my life and the hope of like what my calling is and everything. And I told Jordan on Wednesday about my healing. AJ called me on Thursday and my pain came back with a vengeance on Friday um, to the point where I didn't sleep that night. And I actually, um, I called AJ on Saturday morning to tell him I didn't think I should testify because I was still struggling to maintain my healing. Um, but the reason I'm up here tonight is because I know that what I experienced was real. I know that the peace of God has the power to heal us. I know that my Redeemer lives and that I will see his goodness in the land of the living. And so I want to I wanna testify to all of you, if you have been healed of an addiction, and this is really strong in my heart, if you've been healed of an addiction and you've fallen back, God has healed you. You just need to enter into that healing and keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. If God healed you of an ailment and it's come back, that's not the end. It's not the end until it's good, right? So I, I'm just here to encourage you to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking until you enter into the peace of the Lord. All right, Scott Bailey, here he is. Um, well, I basically got zapped by God, <laughs> and then I squirreled like a two-year-old girl for half an hour. Um, honestly, the encounter is probably going to take a lifetime to unpack. Um, 
But I did see just the mercy of God because I had been running from the Lord. I knew there was a calling on my life to serve his bride. And uh, I just felt the Lord come upon me with such power. (laughs) But mercy, as I didn't use his gift in a profane way, it was more of like giving you another chance to serve him. And I laid on the floor and I just repented because I had been running all my life from the calling at a very young age to serve him wholeheartedly. And I just felt his pleasure of, I'm giving you a chance. And uh, there's a, a prayer that Mike Bickle prays. He says, shock me now, don't shock me later. And I've felt the mercy and the, the gift from God of stepping into my destiny, which is Jesus Christ. And uh, I found him, I met him, I wrestled with God on the floor, I got rug burns to prove it. (laughs) But it wasn't a wrestling as in, I want to overpower you, it was a surrendering of my will. And in that story with Jacob, he walked different for the rest of his life. And not only did he walk different, but he saw the face of Jesus. And he got a new name. It was Israel. And I felt like I got a new name when I was down there. And uh, I'm just forever grateful to encounter the Lord in that profound way. You know, you walk with the Lord, and those are just kisses from heaven that I'll never, ever, ever forget. And uh, I'm just so grateful that I encountered him in that way. And so I just feel like there's an invitation of people in this room that have been called at a young age, that have been running from the Lord, and not running in like build a destiny or build an empire, but loving the Lord with your whole heart. And I've heard it said that you find Jesus and destiny will find you. And I just feel like there's an invitation to abandon everything in your heart and pursue this man with all everything, like unabandoned, like we were designed to just not live whole half-hearted, but wholehearted. And he, when you see the value of this man, you sell everything. And you go buy that treasure. And I saw that man. And he's, more, he's worth more than my life. I will do anything for that man. And I just, I just feel there's just a, redirect, a redirection in people's hearts of just affections that are pulling you that are not eternal, that will never satisfy. And there's just an invitation to taste the eternal pleasures, which are literally found in his face. And so that was my experience, and I'm so grateful for it. (laughs) Come on, just worship Jesus, huh? Yeah, just celebrate Jesus with all that we have.
Hey, I want, there's just, you feel the faith in the room? You feel it? It feels real good. I love the feeling of faith. So, hey, if you need healing in your body, I want you to stand up. If you need a touch for joy, if you've been like struggling with anxiety or depression, I want you to just stand up. If you've had like, I just feel like sleepless nights, I want you to stand up. Uh, yeah, pain in body. Well, if anything, what any of these guys were saying was resonating with you, stand up. And I'm just going to have these guys like pray over you with everything that they have. And if you're just in the room and you're not needing prayer, just extend a hand. And let's just believe with everything that we have that God's going to come and continue to do what he's going to do. Amen. All right, Pedro, why don't you start us off? All you guys pray. Oh, Jesus, we just pray for just... You're the impartation of joy, God. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and we just invite, God, your Spirit to live within us. God, would you just come and touch, God, every person that is in need of you, God, that is in need of your joy and just your delight and, like, seeking for your love. God, there's just, there is freedom found in you and in your Spirit and anxiety and depression and our, our worldly problems cannot overcome you, God. You have already defeated them, so we step into your victory and we just... We just open up our hearts to receive, God. We just receive your joy, God. Just pour your joy, 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 joy over us, God. Just pour it all over us, Jesus. Yeah, Lord, I just pray that no one's safe in this room. No one's safe. As Pedro was hiding by the sound booth when he got hit with that joy. I pray that the people in the back room, God, get hit right now with your joy, Lord. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that we get a new reach for you, God. Give us a new reach. I just pray for a breaking up of fallow reaches for you, God. That a, a reach that is not, that we've satisfied in the previous season, but a new reach for you, God, in this new season. And I just pray, God, that you meet us. You meet us. You meet us right now tonight, God. Meet our reach tonight for you, Lord. And I pray that you don't need an anointed speaker, that you are the anointed, Lord. We pray for you, Holy Spirit, to lay your holy anointed hands on us right now, God. Hey, Lord, I just ask for just a, an awakening in the Spirit of God inside of us all, God. A new, just a, a new revelation of who you are, God new belief systems in who you are, God. Just, just ask, just ask him, Lord. Touch, touch him. Touch him, God. Touch him, Lord. Yes, God. Yeah, just begin to ask the Lord. Ask the Lord like a blind Bar Bartimaeus. Just, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, it's, it's a reach, God. Just reach, God. Bless your people, God. Just increase your presence, God. Increase your presence. Just make us more aware of you right now, God, than our sickness. More aware of you than our need, God. When we're more aware of you, our sickness and our disease falls off, God. Yes, 
just thank you for your nearness, God. Thank you for the touch. I just ask that you would encounter your people like you encountered me, God. Yes, that the fire of God, the electricity of God would, would, would change the structure of their DNA, God. God, that their DNA would be twisting left and it turns right all of a sudden. God, give us new wirings in you, God. Lord, give us a new belief system of how you operate, God. God, we cannot leave the same, God. We can't leave this. We can't come to church and not leave the same, God. We need to meet you tonight, God. Oh, yesterday's manna's not going to satisfy, God. We need a new reach, God. We need a greater manifestation of your glory, God. Oh, Jesus, we need you, God. Oh, oh, Jesus. I just pray, God, that you would be, you would be the new dream. You would be our new destiny, God. That we would find the treasure, the value, the worth, the beauty, the holiness, the hum humility of this man. That we would throw our lives in the pursuit of knowing you, God. Reorient our lives, God. Reorient our lives. Teach us what's beautiful, God. Teach us, Lord, what's beautiful. Captivate our hearts, God. We don't know what's beautiful. Teach us what's beautiful, God. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. Escort us, Holy Spirit. Escort us to the beauty of your Son. We exalt you, Jesus. Be magnified in this place. Right now, God. Right now. Meet your people, God. Meet your people. We're hungry, get fed, God. We're hungry from you. We're hungry. And we're open. We're open, God. We don't want to put you in a box, God. We don't want to we don't want dead forms, God. We want the new wine, your new wine skin, God. It's a bagpipe if it doesn't have the new wine, God. Oh Jesus, we need you, God. Come on. Oh, he's asking for your reach right now. Just reach for God. He will meet you. He's going to meet you. He's going to meet you. It's time to, it's time to reach. It's time to reach for you, God. Oh, you're the, you're the bread from heaven, God. You're the bread from heaven. You're the nourishment, God. You're true food, God. We want to feast on you tonight, God. Oh, we're at the beginning, God. Break this. We've arrived, Spirit, God. We have not arrived. We have not arrived. We're never going to figure you out, God. We're never going to figure you out. We're at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. You're endless. 
your inexhaustible God. Jesus. Heavenly Father, I believe there are people in this room tonight who need to encounter your love. Father, they're looking for a healing, but what they need is to encounter your love. And so I just release your love into this room, Lord, that they would feel your love surrounding them. And I feel those people who have the broken hearts, Father, that you will be near to them, Heavenly Father, that you would um, heal those hearts. And I just pray for powerful, powerful encounters with your love. Lord, I ask for encounters that leave them marked, Heavenly Father, encounters that leave them changed forever, Lord. I pray this in your name. Oh, yes, God. Yes. More, more of your presence, Lord. More of your presence. We desire your presence, Jesus. Jesus, hope is in your face. Peace is on your face, Jesus. Joy is on your face, Jesus. Healing is on your face. God, we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, your peace, your holiness, God, your face. We seek an audience with the king tonight, Jesus. We come before you by the blood of the lamb. And we want nothing more than to see your face. God, open our eyes to see you. Manifest your glory before us. Surely, God, if we could just see your face. If we could just see your face, Jesus. All around the room, God, give us a vision of who you are. And it's only in seeing your face, God, that we understand who we are. Yes, Lord. Yes, so give us identity yes, Lord. as we achieve union yes, with you. Thank yes, you, God. Yes, Lord. We just say better is one day. <laughs> better is one day. Better is one day in your presence, God than 1,000 elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, we just say, God, we desire your touch. We desire your presence. We desire you more than any other thing. And just ask for more of your spirit, Lord. We long to be captivated. We long to be captivated, God. We long to be caught up in wonder. We long to see you in your beauty rightfully, Lord. More, God. More, Jesus. Increase, your, increase our faith, God. Increase our faith for more of your presence. We don't come as desperate, desperate, starving people. We come as sons. We come as daughters saying, your face we seek, God. Your touch we desire. Your gaze is what we long for. Your gaze is what we long for. Your gaze is what our hearts beat for, God. Oh. <laughs> oh. We bless you, Jesus. Oh, just begin to bless the Lord. 
Let's begin to bless the Lord. We just bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're going to do. Oh, we thank you that you came. We thank you that you died. We thank you that you resurrected. And we thank you that you are coming again. We thank you that you came. We thank you that you died. We thank you that you resurrected. And we thank you, God, that you are coming again. Wow. Oh, we bless you. Just keep blessing him. When you walk into the room, everything changes, Lord. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Everything changes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to our heart. Take joy, my King, in what you of honor tonight we love you in Jesus name amen if you are encountering the presence I just encourage you just to stay right in that place and can we just bless these wonderful wonderful humans <laughs> I think we have the most beautiful people in our church ever all right, well, we're going to go with the flow. But what Jesus did uh, this week is just beautiful. 
What he's doing in our church is just beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, I truly feel like he's growing us in captivation and he's growing us in wonder. And, and uh, you know, I, I forgot to read, shoot, my phone's in my backpack, but I remember our, God also came and he touched our kids really, really powerfully last Sunday. Like Brenda sent me a text of all the things that happened in my heart just began to leap hearing all that he did and so god showed up in the kids ministry and and brenda said there there were kids getting prophesied over that they were going to be pastors there's kids encountering the fire of god in their hands for the very first time there was even a kid who who fell over and began to manifest in the spirit and what i love about kids is i i wasn't at staff meeting this week but one of our pastors pastor johnny told me this happened that that one of the kids fell over under the power and the presence of God, which is beautiful. And all the other kids are like, why is he doing that? (laughs) And what I love about kids is they're just willing to ask what a lot of us aren't willing to ask out loud. You know, like there's so much innocence in that. But the truth is, for, for some of us who are new or maybe into our community, like maybe last Sunday and maybe like the open heavens, uh, the open heavens, sorry, it was open heavens, but the word and spirit conference, maybe there were some things you saw that were weird and uncomfortable. And just, I just like, as one of the pastors here, want you to know that like it was wild and weird. I totally know. <laughs> like it was crazy. I was shaking like a wild animal on the floor, having no idea what's going on. (laughs) Can we just be honest and say, like, I don't know what's happening, but I know I'm encountering something outside of myself, and that I wasn't, I'm not in the pursuit of manifestations, I'm in pursuit of a man, and his name is Jesus. And if you're wrestling with, with what was happening, I totally understand. I remember my first time at a charismatic meeting. I thought, I was like, what in the world is this place? Um, but the more and more I felt from Jesus to encourage me when I was really, I, I had no idea what the charismatic was. I had no idea what even like the presence or manifestations were. I had no idea. And and I remember in that meeting, I was like, this is either real or crazy, or both. And, you know, we as a church, we invite people into our church who are different from us very intentionally. Uh, because we never want to put God in a box and get familiar with the certain presence that, that we particularly practice here. I believe God sends us ministers who are different because he loves us. Because if we ever try to fit God in a box, we will be sadly mistaken and miss the fullness of what he has. And so if if you're struggling in any way, hey, I understand and I just want you to hear it from, from one of the pastors here's mouth that we are not after manifestations. We are after the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We are after Jesus. And if he comes in ways that we're uncomfortable with, amen. Because we don't want to be comfortable. This life with Jesus is not comfortable at all. It's a life of sold out surrender. It's a life 
of giving our utmost for his highest. And people are shaking, they're shaking. And I just encourage you, if you have questions, ask your revival group leaders, house church pastors, questions, or email Johnny Glisson. He would love to answer all of your questions. (laughs) 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 Hey, my guy. Or Justin, or Robin, or Jordan. Just please don't email me. But you know, I mean, th- I mean, uh, I'll just say this really quick. Uh, like, it's it's always about Jesus. So, so even in Acts two, when the Holy Spirit came and descended upon the the, the disciples in the upper room, and they began to man. How many of you know? Like, people thought they were drunk. If somebody walked in here last Sunday night, they'd be those people are drunk. They're crazy. So people are looking at what's happening at, like at the upper room and people are beginning to mock the disciples as the tongues of fire are going on and they're speaking in languages that, that they all know, but it's weird. They're like, what's going on? And what I love about Peter is the first thing he does is he doesn't talk about the manifestations. He talks about Jesus because it's always about Jesus. So even biblically, when we see manifestations, what we see in scripture is that it's always about Jesus. And there are so many mysteries about this life with Jesus that we will never begin to know or explain or understand because he's God and we are not. Amen. All right. Look to your neighbor and say, you're beautiful. Some of you needed to do that. You've been like not asking that person on a date for a long time. And you just needed to break the ice and tell them. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are such a wonderful priest. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a sermon. I'm not going to go long. We, we've had a lot of late night church recently. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut my sermon. I was going to make it a two-part series, but I'm just going to, I'm going to make it a three-part series because I just feel like the presence of the Lord is here. And I'm just grateful for his presence. Do you guys feel his presence? Like, I'm like, my goodness, this is wonderful. I don't even know what I'm doing up here, but I just want to dance like Richard danced, you know? <laughs> Man, that guy's so confident to dance like that. You realize that? He, the grown man, just, woo, wild. He inspires me. I want to wear outfits like him. They're so cool. Um, but I believe God as a church, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach tonight as a prophetic person. Is that Okay. Uh, a lot of times I don't, I don't say that out loud, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach more prophetically tonight on like what I think God is doing uh, in our church. But, but what I think he's doing in our church is that he is, he is growing us in captivation of him, uh, which I think is ultimately God's greatest desire, is that we as a people would be captivated by him. Uh, we as human beings... Uh, are naturally drawn to be captivated. We don't actually even need to work that hard to be captivated. How many of you know when you see a sunset, you're just captivated by the beauty of it. And you're just like, 
I don't even know why, but my body is being filled with like these endorphins and I just want to stare outside because it's beautiful, you know? Like we were created to be, captiva- to be captivated by, by beauty. We were, cr- we were created to be captivated by, by things that are excellent, that are wonderful, that are amazing. And, 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 but what's at the center of God's heart for creation is he created us to be captivated because he wants to be the one that's captivating us. Does that make sense? Uh, I thought of this this morning, and I think it's really good. I told it to Jake, and he's like, dude, that's good. I'm like, I know, it was God, not me, for sure. God's design reflects his desire. Does that make sense? So if God designed us to be captivated, it communicates his desire for us to be people who are captivated by him and vice versa. Amen. But, and if we look in the gospels, uh, not even the gospels, if we look everywhere in the Bible, the thing that moved God's heart the most was when he found a little weak, feeble soul who was captivated by him above everything else. Think of Mary and Martha Mary is just sitting at Jesus's feet, not doing anything. Martha is doing all these things to get ready to serve Jesus, to da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But Jesus says, Mary has found the one thing. And the one thing that Mary found is that she was captivated by Jesus. Her gaze was on him. Her, her, her captivation belonged to him. Amen? David was a man after God's own heart because his sole desire we see throughout all of it is just to be with God because he loved God. Psalm 27, this one thing I ask, this one thing that I seek is to gaze upon your beauty and inquire you in the temple. He's a, I believe David is a man after God's own heart because he was a man who lived his entire life fascinated and captivated by God. He cared more about being with God than he did any other thing. He, David, when he's becoming king, chose to strip himself of his kingly garments and put on priestly garments and dance undignified before the Lord because he was captivated by God. And it pleased the Lord. See, our captivation pleases the Lord. I believe Paul was another man who was utterly captivated by Jesus. He says in 1 Corinthians 2 that I, that this homie, y'all, is like super smart. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like super Yale, Harvard, like the, the like biggest deal. He could like have become a super, super rich rabbi, teacher, Pharisee, whatever you want to call it. He's super smart. Could have made a bunch of money. But he says... 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that I desire to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. He's like, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. Why? He's captivated. He encountered the beauty and the majesty and the glory of the Lord and said, this is all I want. You can have all my money. You can have all my great things. You can have all my intellectual things. You can have it all. I just want to know you and you crucified. Oh, how bad do you want a heart like that? Why captivation is so important is because captivation makes us do crazy things. Right? Think about it. For me, growing up, I was utterly captivated by Kobe Bryant. I mean, seriously. And so because I'm captivated by Kobe Bryant, I say, Dad, can you buy me his jersey? Can you buy me his shoes? Can you take me to Laker games? And what do I do? I then put on, because I'm captivated by his brilliance on the basketball court, I then wear his jerseys and devote myself to representing Kobe Bean Bryant. You, make sense? Is this anyone else? Captivation makes us do crazy things where we literally think if I put on Kobe's jersey, I'm going to play basketball better. This is like every marketing scheme there is. They're trying, they're paying LeBron James billions and billions of dollars because they want you to think if you wear his shoes because you're so captivated by the way he plays basketball that if you wear his shoes, you're going to be better. And then you're willing to spend $300 on his shoes. Why? Because captivation, when we're captivated, logic goes out the window. Right? Am I right? right. This, I'm going to get so vulnerable tonight. Captivation makes you do wild things. I'm going to tell you a story about the first time I took my wife on a date. She's so uncomfortable. I didn't tell her I was doing this, but she's the hero. I'm the villain. We're 15 years old, 16 years old, but trust me, we're not married at 16 years old, although I wanted to be. But so, so I just, I had my permit. I just got my license. I am infatuated, fascinated, captivated by this woman, Carrie Shane Alvarez. Oh, she's so wonderful. And so I get my license and I'm like thinking, I'm not a planner, like at all, like not a strategic thinker, like don't like to plan, like not a checklist guy, not an Excel guy, like at all. You know, like people who have planners, wild to me. <laughs> my wife's an accountant, so clearly the Lord knows my needs. <laughs> and so, and so I'm not a planner, but because I'm so captivated by my wife or girlfriend at the time, I'm so captivated by her. I'm thinking in my head, I get my license in October. 
I want to take her to a really fancy restaurant, so I'm going to save my allowance for three months just so I can go to this restaurant to impress my girlfriend because I love her and I'm captivated by her. And so I save my money. I like buy a new, I literally I bought a new collared shirt. I was like, ooh, we're going to get so romantic. We're 15, 16, all the feels are going. It's like, she's going to love me because I'm so captivated by her. And then anyways, I pick her up. It's like a restaurant. The bill's probably going to cost a hundred bucks. It's a nice place for a 16 year old. And we, I'm like nervous. I don't get nervous, but I'm nervous. I'm nervous because the girl I'm captivated by is with me. I'm nervous. I'm on, I'm on edge. I'm like, I want to impress her. I will love her. She's amazing. And we get into the restaurant and I'm just sweating bullets. Like I've been sweating my whole life. You'd think at some point it would run out. It just doesn't. I'm sweating bullets and we walk into the lobby. I'm like so nervous. I was so cheap. I saved exactly the amount of money so I didn't have to pay for, I didn't have enough money to pay for valet. So anyways, I didn't pay for valet. I was cheap. And we walked into their thing and I'm nervous. I'm sweating. And there's this big easel standing there that I don't see and stairs that lead down to the entire restaurant. And boom, crash. And all the restaurant is now staring at me. I think the band down there stopped playing. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is terrible. Like, this is terrible. And so now I, like, rush down there. I, like, pick up the easel and take it back. I'm like, okay, isn't this wonderful? Just nervous. Anyways, I go on, spill three drinks throughout the course of the dinner. And was like, I can't believe she's still captivated by me, but she is. But the point is, is captivation, right? Our logic goes out the window and we get in touch with our heart and we will do anything for something that we're captivated by. And what follows captivation is devotion. What follows captivation is imitation. What follows captivation is a life of surrender laid down to the thing that you're captivated by. Devotion without captivation is religious duty. I'm going to say that again. Devotion without cap captivation is religious duty. Which is why so much of the church is burnt out and lukewarm. Because we serve and serve and serve and serve and think that if we just do this 10-step plan, we're going to get better. But all he wants is for you and I to be captivated by him. When I was earlier, and I still am more captivated by my wife than I've ever been, but when I'm captivated by my wife, I don't think... I don't think about the difficulties of like the relationship as much because I'm so in love that it's easy to do things. And just to moral of the story, captivation is powerful because when captivation is misplaced, uh, that's when things start to get sketchy. So in a marriage, 
If captivation is lost between husband and wife, and that coworker comes up to husband at work, and the husband gets captivated by this different woman, and now affection starts going in the wrong place, it causes problems at home. Yeah? And so we're in a battle. We are in a battle of what is captivating us. That's the battle we're in. The battle we're in isn't deeper surrender. The battle we're in isn't like more, like we have to do more, do more, do more, do more for God. The battle we're in is what is captivating your life. The battle we're in is, are you living in the flesh, captivated by things of the flesh, or are you living in the spirit, captivated by things of the spirit? Can you imagine us all captivated by God? Do you think that there would be any such thing as a lukewarm church? If we're all captivated by God, I think our workplace, our cities, our environments, our families, I don't think they would just, I don't think they would be perfect, but I think they'd be a whole lot better. Because captivation sparks imagination and a love laid down. Somebody who is captivated by God will do far more for God than anybody who's just devoted to him. And so I think we live in a battlefield, a serious, serious battlefield fighting for our attention and fighting for what is the thing that is going to captivate us. Is it going to be our job? Is it going to be, what is it going to be, you know? And so really, how do, and here's, uh, I think I have time for this. Isaiah the prophet saw this happen in Isaiah 53. He grew up before him. Isaiah is talking about Jesus. He says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He, Jesus, had no beauty or majesty, majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. What is Isaiah getting at? Isaiah is getting at the reality that to our fleshly sinful hearts, we will not find Jesus beautiful. We won't. Because the way of Jesus is hard. It's a life laid down. It says my money is not my own. It's hard to look at a beaten man at a cross. It's hard to look at nails and hands and realize that those nails are there because of me. It's hard to look at a cross and a bloody crucified Messiah because we don't like pain. And so when we look at Jesus, we don't find him beautiful when we are in the flesh. Our selfish human heart wants nothing to do with the cross. 
Our selfish human heart wants to, wants to make the cross this uh, thing that is inspiring to us, but we don't actually embody carrying the cross daily. Does that make sense? But then Jesus came. <laughs> and he came. And Jesus bodied, embodied captivation Better, he is our superhero for being captivated. Listen to how captivated Jesus was. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus is so captivated with you and me and his bride. He's so captivated so enthralled, so fascinated with the idea of God dwelling in a human heart that he said, I will be beaten and, and mocked and abused and crucified because I am so captivated by this bride and this future wedding day that I will have with the people because of my sacrifice. Ha! He's the king of captivation. He's the king of captivation. He is so captivated with you. He is so captivated with me that he was able to look at this cross and say, it is with joy that I go there. Why? Captivation makes us do crazy things. So, how do we go? Can I keep going 10 more minutes? Okay. So how do I go from, because the truth is we struggle. How many of you struggle sometimes in worship to like stay in it? It's hard. We're easily captivated, people. We're easily captivated by things that are not Jesus. It's so, we're, it's so easy because we're such, emo, as much as we want to say we're intellectual beings, when it comes down to it, we are emotional beings who are looking and starving for heart connection. And so, so we are easily captivated by things that are going to make us feel good. And we need to learn what is it like to get into the spirit of God because your spirit is endlessly captivated by the one who formed you. Your flesh is in opposition to God, but your spirit, because he died and resurrected from the grave and because he made his home in you, your spirit is always fascinated by him. So the this is what Paul is talking about in Romans 8. Come on, John. Me and John talk about Romans 8 almost every day. He said, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The Think about this, the mind captivated by the Spirit is life and peace. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit 
of God lives in you. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, church, this is to the early church who's probably going through a lot of things, struggling with captivation. What is it? It's hard to be captivated by this thing that we can't see with our eyes. Does that make sense? It's hard. And but Paul's saying, don't be backslidden. Don't go to the flesh. You are in the spirit. Believe you're in the spirit. Set your mind on things of the spirit. Guard your mind. Guard your thoughts and focus on the things that God focuses on and you will have a life of peace. Amen? So how do we get in the spirit? That's the question, right? Is that a good question? Dang it. It's a bummer. Um, it's a huge bummer. Okay. So how do we get in the, how do we get in the spirit? Uh, I'm excited to share this. I had a vision this week. There are many ways to get in the spirit. And in the next sermon, I'm going to talk about getting in the spirit, um, and different ways that we can get into the spirit. But what I believe, I'm going to just share prophetically what I feel like the Lord. There's an invitation for us as a church. Uh, and the invitation for us as a church is to become more childlike. I think the best way we can get in the spirit is to become more like a child. Matthew 18 says, At the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. The disciples were captivated by power, influence, that, and Jesus is looking at them and says, actually, you cannot get into the spirit. You cannot get into the kingdom if you don't change and become like this child. Do you hear that? that that's, that's wild. Actually, so in God's kingdom, there aren't adults and children. There are just children. There are just children and children only. Why? What the disciples are missing in this moment is that they thought in God's kingdom they have something to offer. <laughs> but in God's kingdom, the only one who has anything to offer is him. And so he says, if you want to come into my kingdom... If you want to enter into life in the spirit, you have to become a nobody, a humble, vulnerable, submissive child. <laughs> because what does a child need? All this is, I can't wait to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad in like three weeks, four weeks. But a child, a child is only looking to his father and to his mother for all of the, his, need, his or her needs. 
A, a child is not looking to anyone else. The child knows that it has nothing to offer. And so a child comes under the father and says, shape me, mold me into who, whoever you want me to be. Does that make sense? John Wesley says this, little children are lowly at heart and they know themselves utterly ignorant and helpless and hang upon their father in heaven to supply all their needs. Little children are not threatened by the success of others because they are so focused on the words of their father and mother who have captivated them. And so to grow in life in the spirit where we're endlessly captivated by him, we must unlearn all of the things that we have learned negatively. In God's kingdom, we do not approach him with our ideas. We approach him with a surrendered life saying, I have nothing but what you have to give me. And when we come with that heart and we enter into that position, he then downloads and increases our imagination to where then we begin to be captivated. Amen? All right. And then I'm just going to, if we can bring the lights down, that would be great. God, okay, this is something I want to clarify. Some of you might get a little upset by this, but that's okay. A lot of times when this verse is up, even if you look it up online, a lot of intellectuals will say in this scripture <laughs> that God is, is telling us to be childlike, to not be childish. And that's true. The scripture is not telling us to be childish. The scripture is telling us to be childlike. But I'll tell you this. I believe when we operate, this is my opinion. I'll be very clear about that. When we operate in pure childish behavior, like dancing undignified before the Lord, raising our voice unto him by playing with him, by being lighthearted and not so serious about everything, when we actually act childish in purity, it does something to our nature to where we become childlike, to where we can become moldable. Amen. I'm going to start playing. I got a cool thing I'm going to share. <laughs> I, uh, I had a vision. It's kind of an intense vision. And I just feel like I'm supposed to release it over the church. Is that okay? Um, so, oh, this is so vulnerable. Um, so I was sitting in my daughter's chair. I can't wait to hold her in. And uh, the Lord took me up in the spirit and I saw our whole church ascend into the heavens and we were all in the heavenly realm and in the heavenly realm was this big door. It was like a gate and on the door it said life in the spirit. And all the adults were in the front and we were knocking on the door trying to get in, but there was this big angel that was standing next to the door. And we're like, all the adults were saying, let us in, we've done everything right. Let us in, we've done everything right. Let us in, we've done everything right. 
And all of a sudden, the angel peeks up over the line, and he looks at the children who are standing in the back. And actually, and all of a sudden, Asa was leading the charge. And all the kids ran with all of their might. They had no idea what they were running into. They just started running because the angel told them to run. And so they started running into this gate. And all the parents and adults are looking at the kids like excited but confused. Like why? And, I were, and we were all like, why? 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 Why are the kids getting to go in but we're not? And then the angel of the Lord rose above the line with all the adults. And there's like this huge shadow that was casted over the whole line. And the angel, it was either an angel or Jesus, I'm not sure, said, childhood pain and trauma is creating fear for adults to return back to being children. And I saw the the Lord just begin to bring freedom of childhood trauma to all the adults in the line. Adults that had parents that never affirmed them, that never encouraged them, that, that, that abandoned them, rejected them, abused them. The Lord came and healed. And as the Lord healed and set free those who had childhood trauma, all of a sudden the gates flung open and all the adults were able to embrace childlikeness and run through the gates. <laughs> and so what I feel like is um, if you struggle with control because you're scared to become like a child, I just encourage you tonight to come up and get ministry. Um, if you have fear in your heart, if you, so when, when thinking about being childlike, if that scares you, if that intimidates you, the Lord wants to come and he wants to touch you and he wants to heal each and every person in here of childhood trauma. I believe it. And whether he does it tonight or he does it through journey to wholeness or meeting with wonderful humans like Justin and Johnny and Robin, like praise, praise be to God. But I just believe that if we want to learn to become childlike, we have to be willing to look at our childhood trauma so the Lord can redeem us and he can be the father and the voice that shapes and molds us into who we want to be. Amen. All right, will you stand with me? Yeah, so Lord, we just, uh, and I'll have the prayer, the ministry team come up. Thank you for letting me go 10 minutes long tonight, everyone. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, like if you have childhood trauma, like, hey, it's okay. I have like crazy amounts of childhood trauma, still dealing with it all the time. If you have childhood trauma, I want you to come up front and I want you to get ministry tonight. Um, if you are like, I am not captivated by God, I am lukewarm, and I have been lukewarm for a while, I encourage you to come up front and to get ministry. But I think there's going to be something about you stepping out and coming up to the altar. This is not manipulation. I'm just, 
You don't have to. This is just my suggestion is that God meets a life who says, I want your voice more than any other voice. And so I just encourage you, if you need any of that, if you have any kind of trauma, childhood trauma, come on up. And if you also just are like, I am lukewarm. I've been lukewarm for a lot of time. I have desire for control. My wife, I heard this earlier. My wife tells me I'm controlling. If that's you, you need to come up and get set free. And uh, other than that, I just want you to be blessed and have an amazing, amazing rest of your night seeking the one thing that is Jesus. Amen.